Hey guys, this is Jim. Welcome to the Holmes Politicast. We're going to be talking about a lot of issues today, so I want to get right into it. Um, we're, we're, the focus, the theme of today's show is going to be the age of outrage that we're living in. And I wanted to talk about a couple of news stories and then my own feelings on some of the issues as far as uh, statues being taken down and, and really the histories, uh, the result of, our, of losing our history. Um, the first one is from the U.S. attorney, an FBI special agent in charge, of looking into this noose hanging with Bubba Wallace. He's a uh, race car driver, um, I believe the only black uh, race car driver right now, and he came out in favor of banning the Confederate flag. And um, so anyway, this is the statement when they investigated um, says, on Monday, 15 FBI special agents conducted numerous uh, interviews regarding the situation at Talladega Super Speedway. After a thorough review of the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that no federal crime was committed. The FBI learned that garage number four, where the noose was found, was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed that uh, the evidence that included authentic video confirmed by NASCAR that the noose found in the garage number four was there as early as October of 2019. Although the noose is now known to have been in the garage number four since 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned to garage number four last week. The decision not to pursue federal charges is proper after reviewing all available facts and all applicable federal laws. We offer our thanks to NASCAR, Mr. Wallace, and everyone who cooperated with this investigation. So uh, once again, as in the case with the Covington boys, um, that this was, uh, I don't know who, who reported it as a, a crime. I don't know how it got to the attention it may have been Mr. Wallace, it may have been others, but we, uh, so I don't know if it was an effort on anyone's part to create drama or if it just was uh, a mistake. Um, but anyway, the media ran with it and it became a huge story uh, that, you know, he'd been targeted and um, it turned out not to be true. So, I mean, I don't, like I said, I, we don't know, there's not been any evidence that Bubba Wallace is the one who created the controversy. I don't know if it was somebody on his team who saw it. I don't know how it got to the press. But so anyway, that situation was yet another example of um, the outrage mob that is gripping, has been gripping America for a while now. Uh, we also have an article from Breitbart which said that Governor Whitmer is very seriously considering trying to prevent Trump from doing rallies in Michigan. Uh, 
this is just nonsensical. Um, it's hard to believe this isn't political. She hasn't been saying the same thing. She, has, she didn't say she doesn't want any of the candidates, uh, meaning Mr. Biden, who she is the co-chair of, to, to speak here in Michigan. Um, but in all fairness to Governor Whitmer, I doubt that Biden would have enough people to cut to, uh, he'd probably have less than 100 people anyway at his rally. So it's probably not a big concern. Uh, Trump tends to bring in a lot of people, which might concern them. Uh, but anyway, even if she tries to do this in court, there's no way that she could she could get that um, banned uh, from him being able to come in. This article, another article is from the Grand Haven Tribune. And this one is, uh, I started reading it and then halfway through the article, it told me I had to subscribe to get the rest of the article. I had to pay or something. And, and um, But a Mitch Kale, maybe, a Callie, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But he filed a complaint about a Civil War statue in Allendale Township, which has sparked a heated debate. If you want that full article, you can look at it in the Grand Haven Tribune, maybe online. I was on a mobile phone, so maybe, maybe that's why I couldn't get into the article. But, any, but essentially, there's, I haven't seen it myself, but there's a statue in Allendale of two soldiers, one in a Confederate uniform and one in a Union uniform, and they are standing side by side or back to back. They're standing back to back, uh, facing different directions, obviously. And then there is a little uh, black boy between them. And the symbolism of this is that these two sides are fighting over the fate of this black boy, fighting over whether he should be free or whether he'll be a slave. But somehow or another, this has sparked outrage by this uh, Mitch Kelly. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um... So I'll just call him Mitch Callie or Mitch Kale. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And he's upset about it uh, because he thinks it's disrespectful. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he's upset about. I don't know if it's the depiction of the black boy. Um, I don't know if it's the fact that there's a Confederate uh, on a statue, regardless of whatever the reason is that he's on the statue. I'm not sure what the reason is, but... He wants the statue taken down, and now there's a heated debate in Allendale because many people think it's a very fine statue and very uh, historically appropriate, and you know they're not, they are not um, celebrating the Confederate soldier. They're not having him up there as uh, to hold him up as a hero or anything. He's just, it's just representing the two sides in the Civil War, and and I don't know if it's the depiction of the black boy. I don't know. Um, I did see a picture. Of it, I, I mean, he just looks like a standard black boy. He doesn't look like they're making fun of the boy or, you know, or they don't have any uh, stereotypical characters of him or anything. Um, you know, nothing like that. So I, I don't know what his reasoning is. But again, we're living in an age of outrage. And I think they're just looking for something to be outraged about. And... Uh, speaking of this, the Daily Wire has a story. In fact, I, I, this one I actually want to look at a little bit. It's, it's from, uh, they call him a, a Black Lives Matter activist. In all fairness, his name is Sean King. And in all fairness, um, I don't know if he speaks for Black Lives Matter. Uh, he is aligning himself with that group, but there are a lot of uh, black people that I follow on Twitter and uh, 
you know, some Republican, some Democrat, but, and even they all seem equally outraged by Sean King. They think he's just uh, um, a demagogue. You know, he likes to just come out and throw verbal firebombs and, you know, he, he's an attention seeker. But, you know, so I, I don't know if he's really affiliated with the Black Lives Matter. He's kind of clinged on to it and, and using it to push his agenda. But the headline reads, tear them down. Black Lives Matter activist Sean King calls for destruction of Jesus Christ statues of churches because of white supremacy, oppression, and racist propaganda. And here's what the article says. Sean King, the controversial Black Lives Matter activist, known for pushing false claims, which it has a link to that. I don't know what the false claims are, but um, called for the destruction of Jesus Christ statues in Christian churches for the depiction of the white, quote-unquote, holy family, which King argues are forms of white supremacy and racist propaganda that promote oppression. He obviously was asked a question here because he says, yes, I think the statues of the white European they claim as Jesus should also come down. He posted on Twitter, they are a form of white supremacy, always have been. In the Bible, King continued, when the family of Jesus wanted to hide and blend in, guess where they went? Egypt, not Denmark. Tear them down. Uh, in a follow-up post, King called for the destruction, the destruction of stained glass windows, murals, and other parts of Christian churches and buildings that depict biblical figures as white. Yes, he wrote. Again, uh, he you know, uses this affirmative uh, as if he's answering, uh, or he's responding to something. All murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends should also come down. They are a gross form of white supremacy, created as tools of oppression, racist propaganda. They should all come down, he added. Just give me a second here. I accidentally closed out of the article. Oh my goodness, it sent me to a link of his Facebook, which is just ridiculous. Um, anyway, this is um, just completely ridiculous. Oh, here we go. As noted by Fox News, many on Twitter pointed out to King that differing cultures depict biblical figures in ways that resemble their own community. Ethiopia, for instance, has depicted Jesus as black for more than 1,500 years. Likewise, images appearing of Je likewise images of Jesus appearing Asian can be found throughout the Far East. The messaging from King comes on the heels of the nationwide Black Lives Matter protests and riots over alleged institutional racism. The rioting, first sparked by the death of George Floyd, quickly led to the destruction of statues for various reasons, including the depiction of, figure, of figures uh, of, um, I don't know, the verbiage is kind of weird, including the depicted figures owning slaves. Um, I guess they mean uh, like of uh, slave owners and things in the South. In 2019, oh, here we go. Here's the false claims. In 2019, King recklessly exploited uh, 
the shooting death of seven-year-old Jasmine Berries, or Barnes, excuse me, who was tragically caught in the crossfire to stoke racial fear and hatred, wrote Michelle Mal Malkin in a piece for National Review. The Black Lives Matter activist and columnist for The Intercept immediately pounced using his huge Twitter platform, followed by 1.1 million people, to cast the incident as a racial hate crime. King splashed a photo of Robert Contrell, a white man who had been arrested for robbery the same day as the Barnes shooting all over social media. The men allegedly connected to Barnes' death were black. Aside from King's history of false accusations, the activist has lost trust from some of the far left over his less-than-transparent money-raising endeavors and for past reports that King allegedly lied about being black himself. I have been told most of my life that the white man, man on my birth certificate is not my biological father and that my, bio actual, my actual biological father is a light-skinned black man. King said back in 2015, addressing the controversy, my mom and I have discussed her affair. She was a young woman in a bad relationship, and I have no judgment. Um, yeah, I remember that that's how I actually first heard about Sean King, is the fact that he looks completely white, and, uh, and his mother is white, but he claims that he's actually black. And so that became a big issue about uh, you know, people who claim whether they're men claiming to be women or women claiming to be men or now white people claiming they're actually black. It just depends on now they're just changing the definition. And that's where a lot of this started and I first heard about it was because of this. Um, there's also another woman named Rachel some Donzalar or some, some name. And she's a white woman who we found out was actually black. She actually would darken her skin and she was head of the NAACP in some chapter and a big scandal arose when pictures of her resurfaced when she was younger and from a white family, she looks white and she had blonde hair and, you know, she dyed her hair dark and got jerry curls and darkened her face, which um, is just like blackface. I don't know why that is acceptable, but anyway, that's where that became you know, there became a big issue with her and Sean White. And that's how I first heard about him. So I've never really given him much credibility anyway. But this is where it is going. I know that he's not, the Black Lives Movement at this point has not endorsed his destroying of churches and things like this. But as we saw before, a lot of this stuff was not considered to be a realistic, realistic when it first started. The, you know, a lot of these progressive ideas were seen as far left, you know, the Green New Deal, um, a lot of these issues were brought up, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, universal health care, things like this. And um, so the, uh, they were brought up and, and people didn't take them seriously. And then now they're mainstream. So it's something to keep an eye out for because this this is just a dangerous precedent. And there's been a big argument on Twitter uh that I've seen uh, an, a bishop, a bishop. Um, I honestly can't remember his, his name. I just remember he goes, by bishop something. And he's a black activist. And he, there was a big controversy because he said that Jesus was black. And then you had a bunch of white people and him arguing back and forth as to what the color of Jesus' skin was. And, and he still goes on about it every once in a while. 
but you know, and, and he's very upset that we have adopted the white Jesus. And uh, I, I, I don't know what his outrage is about. I, I don't know why the color of Jesus would make a big difference anyway. I mean, like, I really couldn't care less what color Jesus is. It, it doesn't matter to me as far as my salvation has no difference. Uh, if he was black or white, if he turned out to be black, that's fine with me. I don't care. Um, but for some reason, this became a huge issue. And it, he just continues to bring it up. And I'm not, I'm not sure what the reasoning is that they're arguing. But it's starting to come, become a little more mainstream than it was. But it still hasn't reached epic proportions yet. But I have no doubt that within the next 10 or 20 years, this will become a big issue within, uh, maybe not within the church, but, uh, but the church will get involved in this debate as to whether or not it is appropriate to have depictions of white people from the Bible, you know, to showcase them as being light-skinned. Uh, so it's something to keep an eye out for or an ear out for um, and just know it's coming. Start, start thinking about it in your own mind of how you want to respond to that, what you know, if it comes to that, what points would you make either in favor of Jesus being white or in the sense that it doesn't really matter? Um, and would you be opposed? Start thinking about that. Would you be opposed to getting rid of paintings in the church or depictions of Jesus as being white? Would you want them replaced? Why or why not? Um, these will be issues that you'll have to, you'll have to settle in, your, in our lifetime. It'll happen in our lifetime. We're That'll become issues as to whether the church is being oppressive by continuing to have Jesus portrayed or, and Mary and all these people as white or very light-skinned. Um, so keep that out there. The other thing, when I'm talking, and I want to go into a little bit about the Confederate statues. Um, are, we're almost at the halfway point in this, in this episode. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the statues and they're being toppled and, and these things. First, uh, there, there's so many ways I can go with this. So I, I don't want to get off on rabbit trails. Because there's a lot to say about it. The, the, the first thing is, well, first I want to say that I'm a Southerner in some degrees. I was born in North Carolina, which was a Confederate state. So I don't want anyone to get the impression that I'm, but even though I was born in the South, I'm not really Southern in my thinking. Uh, I do like a lot of Southern things like iced tea and biscuits and gravy. And, you know, there's a lot of Southern food that I eat um, because I come from a Southern family. My grandparents, both sets of grandparents were born in the South and my mom was born in the South and I have relatives still down there and I go to visit them. So I... You know, I, I have a lot of Southern influence, but I don't have any any real um, uh, any real love for the Confederacy. Uh, I'm not I'm not one of these Southerners who look at the lost cause, the Confederacy, and and want to hold Confederates Confederate soldiers up as heroes or anything like that. So I want to make that clear that even though I was born in the South, I'm not a Southerner. With the thing, but and and if I, and when I go to the South, I unless somebody took me there, I really would probably wouldn't go visit Southern statues. I mean, I really don't have any interest 
in the Confederacy. I don't have any special love for Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee or you know any of those people. Uh, if somebody took me there, I wouldn't refuse to go. But I'm not real interested in seeing Confederate monuments or you know, seeing where the Confederates won a battle or something like that. I'm not, you know, it's just not something that really interests me all that much. And I do want to say about, you know, there's this argument that the that they were traitors. This is what you'll hear a lot of, I'm hearing this a lot on Twitter and social media, that they were traitors and they shouldn't be held up by memorials. We don't hold up memorials to traitors. There's no memorials to Benedict Arnold. There's no memorials to, um, well, I don't really know a lot of other, John Wilkes Booth. Um, you know, we don't do memorials usually to traitors or people who are uh, what we would consider bad people. Um, uh, Timothy McVeigh, who blew up the Oklahoma City building. Uh, you know, there aren't monuments to those people because we don't, we don't hold them in high esteem. And so the argument is, why would we build statues to Robert E. Lee? Why would we name Confederate forts after Bragg and, and these people? Um, and, and they do make a, a decent argument. It, it, for me, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, I started to say it's a hard point to argue. It's not real difficult to argue, honestly, but I understand where they're coming from. But here's also what I have to say, and that's, that's part of the story. They did. They did lead, take up arms against the United States. It was an insurrection. Uh, these kind of things we don't tolerate in this country. You don't, you don't take up arms against your government. You don't, um, you don't start a rebellion. These things are considered treason in, in the Constitution, and they are punishable by death. But the rest of the story is that after the war was over, the, in a very Christian gesture, the United States government, Andrew Johnson particularly, who was president after Lincoln was assassinated, offered them a chance of repentance. If they signed an oath of allegiance to the United States, repented of their former life, promised never to take up arms against the United States, never to foment a rebellion against the United States. Instead of being tried for treason and killed, or at the very least exiled, we would reaccept them. We would accept them again as brothers in arms, as brothers in this country. And they did that, all of them. They signed an oath of allegiance. They put pen to paper and said, I promise. I will love the United States of America. I will support the United States of America. I will not commit treason against the United States again. Uh, I will not speak against the United States. I will not. Um, I don't know if they, if they had to give up their weapons um, because at that time, I, I, um, at that time, the Second Amendment was still, you know, you still needed guns for almost everything, for hunting and, and uh, to protect yourself because <clears throat> they didn't have... Uh, really a police force except in the major cities like New York and things. They didn't have a police force out in the country. You had to defend yourself and your neighbors. So I don't know if they made them give up their weapons, but they did have to promise not to start a rebellion, and they did. And they all lived peaceable lives after that. 
I really don't know the history of Jefferson Davis. I don't know what he did after the war. Um, I know he never started another rebellion. I don't know how long he lived. I'm not a huge fan of Jefferson Davis. Just, I mean, I, I accept his pardon. I accept, uh, well, and they were given pardons, I should say. I, I didn't say that part. They promised this, and they were given pardons in return for um, the Oath of Allegiance. So, I mean, I accept the pardon. I don't, I don't have any animosity toward Jefferson Davis. Uh, I don't agree with what he did before the war, but I'm just not a big fan of his because he was very, very, uh, some of the statements he made, I'm just not a big fan of him, uh, even though it was prior to the war. But I just, I just never softened to Jefferson Davis. I have a lot more softening for Robert E. Lee because he didn't, he really didn't want the secession to occur. He fought against it. I mean, you know, in speeches and they had a vote. Uh, in in Virginia as to whether or not to secede. And he voted against it. He encouraged people to vote against it. But once they seceded, this was his home, which now currently is Arlington National Cemetery. That was one of the concessions he had to make was that he gave up his family home and they turned it into a, a cemetery, a national cemetery. And, you know, so um, he never was, from what I understand, never a big fan of slavery. I've heard different arguments I haven't been able to pinpoint it. Some people say that he wasn't a slave owner and the opposed slavery, but believed in states' rights. Other people say that he was a slave owner. I haven't been able to pin down the truth about whether Robert E. Lee ever owned slaves. But regardless, he signed the Oath of Allegiance. He was pardoned. He became a United States citizen again. Um, <clears throat> uh, so... But do they need to have statues built for them? Eh, I don't know. I think that's more up for you to decide. Um, I'm not exactly, personally, I'm not exactly sure if I would be in favor of building a statue to them. I know that I wouldn't want anyone to build a statue for me because of my former sins before I repented and was pardoned. Um, I don't know if I'd want that. I don't want to be reminded of that. I certainly wouldn't want anyone to hold me up as being, oh, look at the great party or the great whatever, whatever I might have done. If it was, you know, pretending like that was be worthy of a memorial. I don't know if I'd want to be reminded of it. I don't know if I'd want people to remember me prior to that, prior to my salvation. And in this case, we'll say their, uh, their salvation from uh, their sin of, of slavery and, and defending slavery in the Confederacy. Um, I don't know, but it's not really my call anyway, because I don't live in the South and these aren't my monuments. The thing I am opposed to is the mob rule, the mob outrage to take them down and taking them down by force. They were not put up by one individual. These were decided by either the state or the local government. They voted on it. They funded it and they built statues. If you want them to come down, then you need to do the same thing. Petition your state or local government and say, I want these statues removed. And here's some people who agree with me and we'd like it to come up for a vote, either in the city council or a popular vote, you know, of us to decide what we want to do. And then if, you know, if, it, if they vote to keep it up and you're still opposed, you know, maybe you have the wrong message or the wrong messenger and, and try again, you know, in another year or two to get them taken down. Or you can move if you can't stand them. If you can't stand them that badly, then, you know, maybe you need to move. But, but that's how you handle things in, a, in our republic. You don't just 
tie a rope around a statue and say, I want the thing gone. I don't care what you or anyone else thinks. I want it gone. That's not the way we do things. Now, some will argue, but that's when they were brought up. I don't think they asked the black people what they wanted. Well, and, and you may be right. I don't know that for sure. I really don't know if they had a vote. I don't know if black people were allowed to have a say. I don't, because I'm not sure when some of these statues were built. I don't know if they had a right. I don't know if they had their say and they lost the argument. I don't know. But we'll just give them the benefit of the doubt and assume, that, yeah, white people put these statues up and didn't care what black people thought and did it anyway. Then that is horrendous. That is not how our country works. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's not how it was envisioned to work. It was not meant. We are not, you know, the Constitution is very clear. It's we the people of the United States, not we the white people or we the white males. It's we the people. And if the people disenfranchised and oppressed certain groups, that is not what America was founded on. It's not what the ideal that America was founded on. It might be, it might be true that at that time, that was the custom that black people or women or whatever didn't have a say. But to me, the idea was always, it's like the arc of history was saying that in America, all people will be free. And even though people at that time may not have understood what they were saying, they may not have understood what we were creating, history would bear them out. That is, that is what we believed, even if they didn't realize that's what they were believing. And I think history was changing through the conscience of man slowly, that in order to follow that creed, all people would have to be free in the United States. And I, I truly believe that, that this was, I mean, I'm more, I'm, I'm a spiritualist, I'm a Christian, so forgive me if I'm, you know, bringing too much into this, but I think that this was the design of God that all people would be free in the United States. And they put it in the hearts of our founders to write that, even though the founders at the time didn't believe it to be true. But over time, God used the conscience of the people to change so that we become in line with that vision of America, which we're supposed to be. I, uh, you know, I don't know how else to think about it. I'm a Christian. There's, I can't, I can't think of it any other way. Um, so I'm sorry if, uh, if you don't agree, but that's just, that's what I feel. And I, I just had to throw that in there because I don't know how to explain it any other way. Um, so, but let's say that is true. Then that is, that was an abomination. There's no reason why we should have put up statues if we didn't include everybody and said, we're going to do it. We're white. We're the majority. We're going to do what we want and sucks for everybody else who doesn't like it. If that's what happened, that's horrible. But that doesn't mean that now black people should say, you didn't give us consideration. Now we're not going to give you consideration. In fact, in my opinion, it's even worse because they know what it's like. They know the tragedy of having one group dominate over them and oppress them, if that is true then they are doubly wrong because they know what it's like and they're doing it anyway. They're being purposely oppressive then to um, the white people in that area. And that doesn't make it right. It needs to be done orderly and through um, 
and through the through the through the system, through petition, through um, I wouldn't say through the courts, but um, I don't think it's an issue the court needs to decide, unless unless you can prove that they were put up there illegally in some way. Uh, you know, like if like if some rich guy just decided to build a statue on public property, and nobody nobody said anything, and now you can prove that that statue was put there illegally. It's it was never voted on. It was just some guy who decided to build on public property. Well, then yeah, maybe the court can say yeah, it was done illegally. That needs to be removed, um, unless it's approved by the area. But otherwise, the court doesn't need to be involved. It's not a court issue. So it it just seems to me right now that people want to be outraged. They're taking down now right now they're they're tearing down statues. Of everybody, they're taking out the statue of Ulysses S. Grant, who was the who fought the Confederacy. He was the one who won the war, uh, the, the Civil War. Um, they claim that he was a slave owner, uh, and I don't know who figured this out, but that now has become a, a thing. Uh, let me just tell you, you know, I know a little bit about the presidents since I've studied them since I was nine years old. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant did technically own a slave when he got married his father-in-law gave him a slave because his wife was from the South. And I assume it was a female slave. It was probably the woman who helped her, helped raise her and helped her dress and, you know, um, things like this. So they gave him a slave, but so he technically owned that slave, but he got rid of it. He freed it. I, I say it because I don't know for sure it was a woman. I'm just assuming. So I'm, I'm just saying he freed the slave. He didn't like being a slave owner. He hated the idea of slavery. He inherited the slave and then freed it. Um, I assume he talked to his wife about it. I don't know. I assume he just didn't get rid of the slave. But but anyway, so yeah, technically he was a slave owner for a very, very, very short time before he freed the slave. But he never bought a slave. And so it's just outrageous that they're, they're taking down the statues. They took down a statue in Pennsylvania of a abolitionist, an abolitionist Quaker, for goodness sake, you know, who's who's brought who who turned people against slavery in that in that area um they're just looking for a reason to be outraged and, and a lot of these people uh they've been interviewed on tv and they don't even know who these people are they're taking down the statues to um you know so i'm we're getting short on time here even though i would love to go into the problems with the way we're teaching history um i'll just say real quickly i'll summarize it Real fast, I think one of the problems with history, with our view of history, is the fact that history is not taught from a thinking point of view. We have kids memorize names and dates. So you have to memorize Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president, and he presided over the Civil War. And, you know, and those kind of questions will be on the test. They will ask you, you know, what is the Civil War about? And the easy answer is slavery, even though it was a little more complicated. Slavery was the main, it was the impetus for, uh, for the Civil War. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not one of these apologists who say slavery it wasn't about slavery and all this. Yeah, it was about slavery, but there were a lot of different issues that had led up to it. As I talked about in a previous broadcast, even during the time of George Washington, the South was considering starting forming their own nation because of tariffs and other things. And just they felt that the North, because it was more urban and had more money, uh, had a lot more weight in the decisions that were being made and that they were kind of pushed aside. 
Um, so it, it wasn't just slavery. It was leading up for many, many years, but slavery is the easy answer, and that's what they want you for the test. They want you to put slavery if they ask what was the cause of the Civil War, because that's easy. What they don't teach is like an essay. And I understand, I wasn't a fan of essays when I was a, a, a teenager either, but they don't accept critical thinking. They don't want you to sit down and try to outline what was the cause of the Civil War, to think through it. Why was it fought? What events led up to it? What events were they, you know, how did the presidents and the Congress leading up to the Civil War, how did they try to prevent the war? What were the things that they were doing that actually helped prevent the Civil War for, you know, at least 10 years? What were the things that they did that helped accelerate the Civil War? They don't teach critical thinking. They don't want you to think through how come Abraham Lincoln was elected president. You know, the Republican Party was a third party at that point. It, it was a very small party. How did they win the presidency? Um, they, you know, they don't, they don't try to get you to think through these issues and to think about it uh, and really rationalize them because so we don't understand history. We don't understand the nuances of history that things weren't, and forgive my, uh, pardon my term here, but things weren't black and white prior to the Civil War. They, there were a lot of shades of gray. There were good people who were torn on the issue. Some people who didn't like slavery but didn't think that we should fight a war over it. There were some people who didn't support slavery but thought that, that the federal government shouldn't dictate it. There were some people in the South, not everybody in the South owned slaves. There were some people in the South who didn't have slaves, didn't particularly approve of slavery, but didn't like the federal government's hard-handedness about this, you know, say, telling them, you will get rid of your slaves. And said, we'll fight for the Confederacy because if we don't like it, we should be able to decide if we want to get rid of it, not have someone tell us that we have to get rid of it. There were people in the North who hated black people, but who said the South had no right to secede and we're going to keep this union together and we're going to fight for the North. They weren't fighting for slavery. They weren't fighting against slavery. They were fighting to keep the union together. So there's a lot of nuances, but we teach just a very basic, it was fought over slavery and it was on this date and these are the war, these are the battles and, and, and all through history, not just the Civil War, we're taught we're taught like this, to memorize names and dates. We're not taught to think about why we entered a Cold War. We're not taught to think about uh, what events led up to things, uh, why things happened the way they did. How come, you know, we voted certain ways which had impacts. Uh, you know, we're not taught to think through history. And so history becomes uh, just very, as I said, black and white. We're suddenly... You know, you look at it and say Robert E. Lee was a great, was a horrible man. He statue needs to be taken down. They don't know anything about Robert E. Lee. They don't understand anything about his history, why he did what he did. You know, they're attacking Ulysses S. Grant. They attack Theodore Roosevelt. They're removing a statue of Theodore Roosevelt from from New York. Um, they don't really understand any of these things. And I'm not and I'm not blaming black people. I'm not saying black people don't understand. I'm saying we as a public have very little understanding of history, of our own history, why we do things the way we do. Why, why do we have an interstate highway system in this country? Why is there a 55 mile an hour speed limit? Why is that the standard? Why not 35 miles an hour? Why not, why not 57 miles an hour? Why not 60 miles an hour? There's a reason 55 miles an hour was picked. 
What is that reason? Most of us don't know. We don't know why we do the things that we do. What is the purpose of the Senate? Why was it created? Why don't we have just one branch of Congress? Why isn't it just the House or just the Senate? Why do we have two? What's the purpose of having two? Why divide our country, our government into three branches, the executive, legislative, and judicial? What is the purpose for doing that? You know, why do we have a Second Amendment? Why do we have a First Amendment? You know, why can't, why can't cops just stop and search you? Why can't we have, if the police suspect you of a crime, be able to go into your house and find evidence? What is the purpose of, of having that? So that, you know, is it to protect criminals? What, why would they have a law in the Constitution that says that the government or the police can't just search you if they suspect you of a crime without a warrant? You know, um, you know there's a, a million questions like that. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have trials in this country? Why do we have, you know, not all countries have a trial. Some countries, you're guilty and you're, you're, you know, you're arrested and you're guilty. You just go right to jail. Why do we have trials? Where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? Um, you know, there's just, there's a million little questions that we haven't answered or that, that, you know, history doesn't teach us. We're just taught to memorize the three branches of government. We're not taught why we have three branches of government, what the purpose of those branches are, how it's beneficial to our country, why the founders insisted on it, what were some of the alternatives that we had discussed. You know, um, and I, that was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's, I, could, I could sit here and rattle off for two or three hours different questions that you should be thinking about. And so his, since history is taught in this kind of monolith manner that everyone's just taught to memorize names and dates. First of all, it makes history really boring for most kids because you're just memorizing things and it has no, you know, to a lot of kids, who cares why we fought uh, World War II? It has nothing to do with us. Why does it matter to me living here in Grand Haven? Why does it matter to me if uh, what was going on in France in 1942 and what battles were won over there? What's it matter? It doesn't affect my life at all. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a white boy in Grand Haven, what does it matter to you what, what year the women got the right to vote? It doesn't affect me. I'm not, you know, who cares? Uh, but if you're taught the history of it, if you're taught why women were disenfranchised and what they fought for, not only would young women be, um, would understand how, how much it cost for them to win the right to vote, which they should have had all along and were denied, but it also would teach men some of the mistakes that they made in their way of thinking about women, their way of, you know, of viewing women. So it's beneficial. But if, you, you know, but if you're just taught names and dates, first of all, kids get bored very easily. And number two, they, don't, they aren't taught to think through issues. So you end up making the same mistakes over and over. We don't, you know, and, and that, I'm out of time here. So... I'll just have to wrap up with that. Um, if things, if we don't have anything really big next week going on, I might continue this discussion. But obviously, I'll get back to it at some point. But obviously, if we have some big issue between now and next week, which isn't without the outside of the realm of possibility, then I may have a different topic next week. But anyway, um, that's our show for today. Please like rate, subscribe, comment, tell your friends. Um, I know my friend Tom puts a lot of work into this and he's, um, and it's really enjoyable. We both love it and we hope that you're enjoying it too.
but yeah, please tell people because uh, it, it'd really be nice to have more input and have more audience and, um, you know, just be able to have good discussions with people. And it's a lot of fun. So anyway, yeah, thanks. Thanks all. Thanks you all for listening and uh, hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you again here real soon. All right. See ya. Bye.